Sunday with Miriam on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by BlackRock Health, providing patients with world-class clinical care and comfort, enabling swifter recoveries. Tweet at Miriam O'Call. My next guest is a much-loved and respected performer who at the Cork Person of the Year Awards this week was honoured with a special award as Cork's number one performer over the past 30 years. Pimbar Wright, good morning to you. Good morning, Miriam. Great pleasure to be here. So lovely to see you. Congratulations. We'll chat in a moment more about that. First, you're going to sing for us, accompanied by Keen Sweeney on the piano. This is Bright Blue Rose. skimmed across black water without one submerging onto the banks of an urban morning that hungers the first light much much more than mountains ever do That was beautiful, Finbar. Bright Blue Rose, accompanied there by Keen Sweeney on the piano. Listen, congrats on your special award to the Cork Person of the Year Awards this week. What does it mean to you, I suppose, as a proud Cork man to receive this award? <laughs> I think they're just celebrating that I'm still alive, Miriam. Not after at all. all. These, after all these years. Well, it puts a spring in your step, you know, it really does. Because, you know, if you're not recognised by your own clan and your own people, you haven't made it. Because they're the most critical. I mean, you meet them on the streets and they'll tell you exactly how they feel. <laughs> <laughs> and about what you're doing and all that. And I've been blessed over the years in that the Opera House has always, you know, anytime we did it, it was a full house. And very very enthusiastic, which is great, you know, so it's always a pleasure. Go back to your roots. I think you're one of eight. Tell me where you grew up and a little about your family. Um, I grew up really on the road to Garrettstown is the way we kind of describe it. It's between Ballinspittal and Garrettstown, which is a lovely beach, of course, down there and uh, beyond Kinsale. I was the youngest of eight. I suppose I, I often felt like an only child in many ways because I think my nearest brother is three years older than me and I think my eldest sister is 12 years older than me. So there was a kind of a time in my mm-hmm. life when they were all there and then there was a time in my life when it was just literally me with my parents and that. So it was kind of... Were you spoiled <clears throat> rotten? Um, I wouldn't think so, no. <laughs> no, I mean, there was a, it was hard work in those days. I mean, it was a small farm and there was, there, there was a lot to do. You know, it was intensive farming and it was mixed farming, which was the most difficult mm. because we used to raise pigs, we used to keep hens, we used to milk cows, fatten cattle, you know. We used to, and then my mother had a huge garden as well, which needed a lot of work. So it was busy, busy times, but very happy times. When you think back on your parents, do you realise probably how hard they both had to work? Unbelievably so, because uh, the machinery wasn't there for a start off. So a lot of things like setting potatoes and all that was nearly all manual. This thing about thinning beet, you know, yeah. uh, out like it, and scuffling with a horse, I remember, you know, which was the thing that used to root up the, the weeds between the, the drills and that. And that was physically hard work, those, those the big Irish draft horse, you know, those big animals, you know, on the farm. And uh, yeah, it was very hard work. <coughs> so when then, many people know you did go into the priesthood. Yes. Yeah, thought, yeah. How young were you when you thought... Oh, should it was ridiculous. I was I was sixteen when I. Oh, I you're a baby. I, but I was blessed because I was sent to Spain for two years. 
to study. Not Maynooth. Not Maynooth, no. Dr. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy at the time uh, had a mind of his own. Uh, he used to say, actually, that phrase of, we in Cork have a mind of our own. And uh, he fell out with Maynooth, I think, at the time. He didn't like what they were doing and how they were training. And he sent a lot of his students abroad, either to Rome or to Spain. And he sent me to Spain. So at the age of 16, I landed in Madrid, took the train up to Palencia and began a great love affair with everything Spanish, you know, uh, the art, the music, the did wine. Did you speak Spanish? <laughs> I did. I had studied it for Leaving Cert. But you know now the difference between actually uh, doing it for Leaving Cert and with your teacher and all that and actually landing on the ground where everybody around you is speaking like at a million miles an hour. But I learned very quickly. But that time, that experience, it did have a big impact on you musically, didn't it? I mean, tell me about the time I suppose the soloist was sick one day and you Oh yes, in. yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was the first time I think I ever performed in public uh, solo and uh, I was part of the university choir there and uh, the tenor was to sing this. It was actually a Basque folk song and um, and he was to sing the, you know, it was Azure, how I still remember that. <laughs> it's imprinted on my brain. It's beautiful. <laughs> and so they, they, he didn't turn up. He was sick or whatever. And the conductor just said, pointed to me and he said, stand out, sing it. And that was that was my first introduction. And then, of course, tell me, many people will <clears throat> remember about the paper mass in 1979 in the Phoenix Park. It's still actually the biggest gathering of people ever recorded in this country. Yes. And you had an important role to play, didn't you? Yes, I, I was the deacon for the day. So I, I actually read the gospel and I sang the responsories. And I still remember it as clear as this morning. I mean, it was it was a beautifully clear morning. The Aer Lingus plane came in across the park and then he came in the helicopter. And then, of course, the Pope appeared. I mean, he was full of charm and he was a really strong physical man at that time and and uh, you know he was so pleasant and everything so it but it was a stunning day it was a stunning day for Ireland I think and uh, and so many people remember it and all the people like the chieftains were there Frank Patterson Bernadette Grevy Our Ladies Choral Society I mean the music and everything it, it was just a perfect day you know. And you were still very young so getting up to read the gospel in front of what one and a quarter million people yes. didn't faze you. I've, that's a funny thing in my brain. If I was to go into a room with six people, mm. I would feel nervous or could feel quite nervous. But put me in front of a big, huge crowd. <laughs> and it didn't faze me. I don't know. Maybe it's stupidity. I no. <laughs> but uh, I was 21. So was young, a, really. Yeah, and is a, it true that you needed to get a special dispensation to actually be ordained because you were so young? Yes. Uh, 24 was the normal age. And uh, I think a bishop could dispense back one year. But if it was beyond that, it had to go to Rome. So I was only 22 when I was ordained. So it came specially from Rome. <laughs> I'd say they regretted that. I have a feeling they did. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, you were so young becoming a priest. How long did you remain a priest? And why did you leave? Uh, seven years I was a priest. Uh, but I mean, not, not quite because I was a secondary teacher really for seven years. I was teaching Spanish and Latin up to Leaving Cert with all that that entails. I mean, every secondary school teacher will empathise. They know how, how intensive it is. And it's not just the time in the classroom, but everything outside of it. And uh, seven years I was there. And really that, I suppose, any vocation I had kind of disappeared kind of over, mm. over that time. And I just... 
that and the loneliness of it all, you know, that thing of being alone. And I think that's the core problem. There are two problems in the mm. churches I see. One is celibacy, which is just an aberration. For me, it doesn't make sense. People need to have relationships, whatever kind of relationship that is, but they mm. should be free to have it. And it doesn't impede, it doesn't interfere with the work they would do, as we see from lots of other religions. Yeah. And the other major problem is women priests, of course, which is uh, another thing that has been inherited and nobody ever got it by the scruff of the neck and said, look, come on, this just doesn't make any sense. And and the world full of women leaders and inspirational people and everything else, and that they can't lead the church. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you, you sit Lacroix's- in Rome and you see all the cardinals and all these guys in these fancy dresses and like... Running the show. Running the show, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've performed also... With so many great people, Jerry Lewis, Kiri yes. Takanoa, Montserrat Cabaye. Who have you loved performing with the most? Jerry Lee Lewis would have to stand out because he's the most unusual of people that I've worked with. And uh, he was, uh, we were asked to do a special from the Cork Opera House for RTE. It was a Christmas special with Neve Kavanagh. And uh, it was uh, Neve, Jerry Lee Lewis, and myself. And we got together to sing White Christmas, which is probably the most unrock and roll song you could ever <laughs> sing with Jerry Lee Lewis. But he was such a legend and yet so straightforward and such a nice man. You know, I mean, he was he just mm-hmm. was so pleasant from the minute I can still picture him walking in the back door of the opera house, the hair slicked back, the pipe in his mouth and he blowing smoke and with all the southern charm of America, you know, yeah. and easygoing and so professional, went and blew the roof off the opera house with the piano and the great balls of fire and all that. You know? <laughs> also, tell me, I, this, I couldn't believe this was true. You recorded the official anthem for the Arsenal Football Club. <laughs> I get How into a lot of trouble about? over that because I have a lot of United fans. And <laughs> no. uh, yes, I mean, I was recording in London and I, I just happened to be in a studio and um, this guy came in and he, he wanted me to record this for Arsenal. And Ian Wright, the footballer, he, he performed on it as well. He did a kind of a monologue in the middle where he gave the history of Arsenal and it was just one of those real anthem kind of songs. Great experience. <coughs> well, look, Finbar, as ever, you're going to sing for us again. Love chatting with you this morning. Congrats again on being awarded Cork's number one Thank performer <laughs> over the past 30 years. Now, your nationwide tour kicks off, I think, on February the 4th, Watergate Theatre in Kilkenny. February the 11th, you're at the University Concert Hall in Limerick. You're at the Cork Opera House in your hometown on the 18th. (laughs) And you're in the Town Hall Theatre in Galway on the 25th. But of course, before finishing up at the National Concert Hall, eventually in Dublin on March the 2nd. You're going to perform for us again. You're going accompanied by Keen Sweeney once more on piano. You're going to sing for us. I don't want to talk about it. Thank you. Thanks so much, Finbar. Pleasure. tell by your eyes that you've probably been crying forever 